gozaimasu. It's Zach Langley Chichi. I am so popular. Last week we discussed my travels in Korea, and this week we have a guest I am so thrilled beyond all measure to have. You have no idea. As someone who needs no introduction and has、uh, absolutely <laughs> shaped the face of a medium, who are you? My name is Sharon Needles, winner of season four of RuPaul's Drag Race, Hollywood's biggest handful, and the undisputed queen of Halloween. Well, once Elvira dies. Oh my God, I love it. What are you doing, Sharon Needles? I, I think I'm doing the same thing、um, everyone in the world is doing, and I spent all day watching Dahmer on、uh, Netflix. <laughs> oh, with Evan Peters, right? Yes, yes. I'm a big sucker for those Ryan Murphy shows. I feel like、uh, he is such a great bastion of、uh, homosexual evil. Right, sucker. I hardly know her, but、uh, yeah, Ryan Murphy has a way of telling <laughs> all sorts of uh, different uh, stories and fills them with models. Oh, of course, it's like the perfect like homosexual perversion, just to like torture all of these like. Beautiful, like sculpted men、uh, on screen on network television. I love it. Yes, murder and abs. I'm, I'm.、Uh, let's stop this already. I'm starving. <laughs> All I've ever wanted is murder and abs.、Um, yeah, you know what?、It. You know what I call、uh, one of the guys that almost got away from Jeffrey Dahmer. What's that? Fast food. <laughs> <laughs> Too good,、um, Sharon. I have to ask you, why are you speaking with me today?、Um, well, because you kept hounding me in my DMs on Twitter. <laughs> I did. I think I sent you maybe like six or seven messages, and I would just send a new one every three months, being like, "You would love to do this. Just come on already." <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm. I'm speaking to you, so you quit、um, uh, uh, hitting me up in my DMs. Yeah, so I could stop the harassment campaign.、Um, <laughs> I'm glad to bring it to an end today because you truly are one of the most fascinating creatures to ever touch drag.、Um, I have a, a very severe philosophy when it comes to the cross-dressing arts, and I believe it's an evil medium.、Uh, I think it is、uh, specifically meant for the most dastardly impulses of the world, and it's all about、uh, chaos and destruction and、uh, the ecstasy of that. And From anyone on Drag Race or otherwise, I feel like you truly understand that philosophy. Well,、um, like、uh, many tortured souls, especially in the GLBTQIA、uh, uh, umbrella,、uh, there's someone else living inside of me, and if I don't let her out, we all suffer. So true. <laughs> <laughs> um. So you have such a storied career, and I think all the work that you've done is so fascinating. And the fact that you know so deep into your experience in this、uh, art form that's really only meant for like ten or fifteen years on most people, I, I find the fact that you're still polarizing and controversial and so fresh to be honestly just like. The most revitalizing thing.、Um, you released a, a great new album recently, but、uh, what have you been working on recently? Like, what's your twenty twenty two been like?、Um, well, finally,、um, we're crawling out of、uh, which seemed like the bottomless pit of coronavirus, which、uh, drastically affected、um, 
I mean, it, it, it affected everyone, but it, it drastically affected mm -hmm. people who make their money uh, touring and entertaining because uh, that's really our source of income. And, and not only that, it's uh, the stage is my punching bag. I missed it so much. So I was sitting on absolute zero for two hours or for two years. The album has been in the can uh, for two fucking years. And uh, so I'm just finally... Uh, happy for it to come out. And I think it was serendipity that I paused on that because uh, people need uh, <laughs> satanic disco music now more than ever. <laughs> oh, so true. I love the record, um, especially like the lyrics are just screaming to me. I love a love me to death. Death is forever. <laughs> it just like rattles around my head all day uh, next yeah, to a it, David Lynch reference. It's perfect. Yes, but yeah, fire walk with me. Very good for uh, catching uh, that reference. <laughs> and and you know, absolute zero was kind of a hard record for me to write because I write pretty heady, I write pretty wordy, uh, mm -hmm. and with this dance record, I really wanted to like pull back and uh, not have so many, not so many puns, not so much. Uh, uh, a uh, heady uh, bragging about my linguistics and my Rolodex of uh, of pop culture. So it was hard for me to to step back and to strip my writing uh, style. Mm. But uh, and I, I really didn't know how fans were going to uh, respond to this. Usually, my records progressively just get darker and darker and darker, and I didn't know if if they were. Um, uh, ready for me to uh, dig up, uh, dig up disco and and uh, and uh, and have a dance record, but people seem to like it. <laughs> oh, I love it! And when you're a man I... in a wig, you really can't get bad press when it comes to music, <laughs> which is sad because so many drag queens make so much bad music. Yeah, and you were kind of one of the first, like, and I think up until you, like, there was never really, like, a drag queen album of any of, like, the Rue Girls or anything, and unfortunately, oh, uh, they never really I've got very good. I've been a guinea pig for, for, the, for the successes and failures for everyone in Hollyweird. <laughs> and you're, oh, you're right, I was the first person uh, to have a, a, a full studio record. It even, like, charted on the iTunes dance charts, which, you know, you don't really uh, see that uh, with... Uh, cross-dressing alcoholics coming out of reality television, especially back in season four, when uh, the show was still so green. Um, mm. uh, uh, but yeah, and uh, you know, I'm not saying I reinvented drag or anything, but I certainly think I took a beauty pageant and turned it into an art gallery. I know, I think you 100% did. And I, I love Drag Race. I think everyone does. I have a very tortured uh, relationship with it as it's um, both decayed and changed uh, over the years. But I think one of the most special things that ever happened in the whole course of the show is your appearance and your introduction of an alternative outsider art was really, like, scandalous for me when I was, like, in high school watching it happen. I was, like, <laughs> deliberately, like, freaked out and, like, the other, like... The only other fag at school who like watched Drag Race, he w he was obsessed with you, and I was terrified. And it took <laughs> me like a proper three years to be like, oh, like this is what I want to do as well. <laughs> so, right, right. Um, well, uh, when it comes to the lady in my head, she's not really sassy or cunty. That's yeah. not her power. 
her power is more uh, based off the things I loved growing up, and that was 80s bimbos and horror movies. And and Sharon really is uh, is just really Elvira with the eight and a half inch dick. It's uh, I, she's really just a reflection of everything I liked growing up. So when given the chance to be on Drag Race, I really uh, I knew there were going to be other me's out there, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I have such an obsession with fame that I knew I could manipulate it in a way that I wanted, and I get off on knowing that I inspire young gay weirdos. I love it. Like some oh, people yeah. say, they want to inspire people to do the right thing. Not me. I I want to do it so I can brag. I feel exactly the same way, and I. I really am obsessed with that ethos. I think it's so much uh, more refreshing and exciting to just uh, go all the way into the Mark Hudesad hedonism instead of like uh, getting like sparkly and cute. And I mean, there's a place for everything, but I uh, I think that your book of references and like your specific interest in like 80s pop culture, like Paul Rubens, Elvira, like all of the character work, it makes uh, Sharon a, a really original creation. And I was kind of curious about where you started, like, foundationally pulling the first threads of this character you've mastered. Well, I always say um, uh, Sharon's birthday is February 10th, 1996, because uh, February 9th, uh, or excuse me, 1996, February 9th, 1996, I, uh, I, witnessed something that profoundly changed my life. And that was the Antichrist Superstar Tour of Marilyn Manson when I was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. At this time, I'm growing up in a town of 1,500 people called Newton, Iowa. Uh, and I was a pretty bullied kid. Uh, in the 90s, you didn't really uh, uh, see many me's in, uh, in small town Iowa. And after that show, I remember going to the show and just having, there were so many protesters and people saying we were all going to go to hell and we were sodomites in the show, burning American flags and slicing yourself up with glass. And I said, this is exactly what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> I love That's, that. You know, some little boys wanted to be Britney Spears. I wanted to be uh, uh, Marilyn Manson. And uh, yeah, we're both still controversial to this day. And uh, I remember going home that night, dyeing my hair hot pink, shaving off my eyebrows and walking into Newton Senior High in uh, uh, full vinyl fetish wear. And uh, it was the first day where I went from a shy, uh, sheltered, picked on closeted little gay boy and turned in uh, and uh, yeah, turned into my own monster. (laughs) So that's really that's really where it started. The, the, the first step of fashion anarchy is to shave your eyebrows up. Oh, God, I, I want to do it. I feel like I look horrible. I'm like ready Every to go down the rabbit better hole. without eyebrows. It makes people uncomfortable. Oh, that's great. I feel like a, a special element of your drag as well is like the discomfort level. And it's uh, very exciting to me to like think about like um like the house of haunt which of course uh, you were a foundational member of in pittsburgh i love the idea of like blowjobs on stage like pissing like blood like bodily fluids like it's very difficult to come across uh drag that's so ballsy lately uh well uh everyone well yes because uh, unfortunately the tail began to wag the dog with rupaul's drag race 
And now what once used to be your uh, city's gay uh, celebrities and smoky bars at midnight drunk are for some reason, and this is beyond me, are now uh, uh, packaged and expected to be role models for like kids. My name yeah. is Sharon Needles. It's how straight <laughs> people get AIDS. Get AIDS. Yes. I, uh, the only way I like kids is on toast. I don't want to fucking read you a book <laughs> in a library. You see, you see these left or these right wingers say, you know, now, how dare they bring kids to a drag show? Fucking, I'm going to turn into a Republican if this is the rule. I don't want your fucking kids in my show. Uh, so, yeah, when I started doing drag, it was like uh, we wanted to make a spectacle. You know, there were so mm. many drag queens who were pretty and lip syncing a song. And that's very nice. I like to watch it. I've seen it far too many times. But uh, we, me and Alaska and Veruca Laprana and Cherry Bomb and Amy Bacchus, we were always just trying to out do each other by making each other sick and it, and it was fun and that's i love to get a reaction out of people yeah i mean that's like the old school like john waters like philosophy about how to conduct your life as a gay person which is to like out nasty like out sex like out blowjob like the gay guy next to you until you've um created like a shimmering art image of debauchery <laughs> it's like, the reason why drag is in bars it, it it's it lends itself um uh to alcohol <laughs> and yes, cause uh, it's I, funny when you're drunk to see a man in a wig like doing like some earnest uh pop music impression and um staging like the most vile things you possibly can on that stage i mean that's that's what we should be doing it's true i'm more gg allen than gg gorgeous <laughs> that's good i'm obsessed um it's funny that you brought up the drag queen story hour thing which um like, I think my show probably does circulate on, like, some more, like, um, right-wing uh, channels from time to time. And I think uh, I, during the whole Drag Queen Story Hour debacle, like, people had a very severe reaction to me because they all thought I was, like, some sex pervert. And, uh, you know, the thing is, like, yes, I, I you're right, I am a sex pervert. But the thing is, like, I don't want to do that to kids. Like, I'd much prefer to do it to, like... Well, not their kids. straight guys, <laughs> not their kids. <laughs> well, let's exactly. let's be let's be honest. I'm probably I just probably have a negative reaction to it because I don't know how to read. Oh yeah, illiteracy is a very serious problem in this country. Yeah. Reading it's really just for Fifi O'Hara. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I'm also like curious about you know what you kind of think about like the political climate that drag has climbed into uh in the ouroboros of drag race uh where do you kind of see the art form as like a as a state of the nation right now uh if if you take if you take anything that that's roots are founded in being subversive or transgressive and then you s scrub off the dirt and package it uh, commercially, it's going to dilute and, uh, in my opinion, <laughs> ruin art. Uh, when I started doing uh, drag, you didn't do it because you wanted to. You did it because you had to. You, mm -hmm. you, you didn't. You, you did drag. You had. You had to let her out. And 
people like to watch you on stage, but it was hard to get a boyfriend. And, you know, it, you really were sacrificing a lot of your queer experience to do drag. And now they just duplicate like jackrabbits. They're just everywhere. Now, is it good that the show has allowed uh, so many people to find a way to visually and artistically express themselves? Yes, but I can't tell any of them apart. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I, I mean, can't is... tell. Yeah, drag queens are like Canadians. They all look the same. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's really true. And this is kind of why I feel like I, I don't think I could manage to do drag in America right now. Because like, at least in Japan, it still feels You'd never like get gross a gig. and taboo. <laughs> I'd never get a gig. Like, what am I going to do? Like, <laughs> Like, I'm like... In this country, I'm, like, doing, like, seppuku on stage and, like, covering myself in blood or whatever, or, like, pouring liquids on myself. It's, like, I can't I can't really do, like, the kick my heels and, like, twirl around kind of thing, to be honest. So, like, if I ever go well, back to and, America, and my career's over. Uh, you know, I have more than <clears throat> most of my compadres and a severe obsession with fame, and I look at fame truly is an art form. I, mm. I bow to the altar of Andy Warhol. Um, so I'm very, I'm so privileged and so blessed because of what RuPaul's Drag Race uh, has done for me. Uh, it just should have been canceled after season seven. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right the answer The market too. is too saturated. So what do you think the answer is in a post-drag race oversaturation uh, universe where oh, there's... the monster can't be stopped. I, I have no... Uh, I have no... Uh, no I don't know. I, yes, the, the tail has begun to wag the dog. The monster is huge. Uh, you'd hear RuPaul always say, you know, RuPaul's drag race will never be applauded or awarded. It will always be subversive and underground. And it is the... And RuPaul is the... Uh, you know, Guinness Book of World Record for uh, 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 of a black person winning Emmys. So mm -hmm. the, it's the show is it's it's huge, and it, it what what's kind of sad, and which just goes to show that there's still misrepresentation of queer people, and even even some misogyny in there. It's like. We're as famous as a Kardashian, but we're paid like a shift manager at Target. So yeah. us, RuPaul's Drag Race and the queens on it, not only is as big of a show as any other reality show, it also is a template and um, it really sets the standard for fashion globally. Mm. Like, yeah, I Anytime I anytime I I'm watching a woman do her makeup and they put the exclamation point on the nose, I'm like, you know, where you got that from, did you sis? <laughs> like drag <laughs> has really gotten into the visual lexicon of everyone. Yeah, it and really I has. Want, and, and 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 we're and we are not, uh, we are not reasonably compensated. No, I don't think so. I always like think of like the like drag race like workhorse to be like somewhat like um the uh post civil war like uh Scarlet in Gone with the Wind when she has all of the prisoners like pushing around the machinery in her yes. house. It's like that's exactly how it feels and it's like no one's getting paid enough. Uh there's 
the market's too saturated. It does feel like kind of apocalyptic, but I guess for me, and like, no one works harder. No one no. works harder. No one oh, travels more than a drag race girl. We do our own makeup, our own costuming, our own hair, our own, we're our own fucking therapist. Uh, well, you know, we, we have to fund all our own things. And then, you know, you like, do, do you, have you, do you remember anyone who's ever been on The Bachelor? No. And those people no, only are the ones I so jerk off to on to Instagram. There. Like just the hot ones that I like save into my bookmark <laughs> on Instagram. Right, right, right. That's it. Where they where they take their heads off and just put them on someone else's body. Those yes, blends exactly. are getting real good, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like you know, Kardashians are sitting in mansions, and you make four hundred dollars an episode on Drag Race. Oh my god, that's crazy. Four hundred dollars an episode and i don't think it's ever increased since i was on drag race 11 years ago hopefully the quality of the lunches has <laughs> so you've you've heard the the uh the tall tales of uh of uh craft services on uh, yeah <laughs> drag race. yeah it was it was yeah it was pretty rough but well, th- i mean that's fine by me i'm not much i'm not much of an eater anyway <laughs> I mean, I definitely, like, uh, as you once brilliantly put, a little, like, retarded about, like, uh, the whole thing. And, like, it does have, like, this uncanny, like, horrifying uh, shock treatment fascination to it. And I really like the torture chamber of it and uh, the pretty, like, nasty sensory details of, like, the hotel rooms with tapes and the craft services lunches. I've always, like, been a little, like, wickedly fascinated with, to be honest. Yes, yes, and it, it just gets um, more um, s- sadistic every season. Mine wasn't mine wasn't so bad. I mean, we had a PA uh, bring us weed. <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> but now they're like war prisoners. They like lock them up in those rooms and like. Right. Well, I took. I, like- I took. Um, I'd never been to Hollywood before. I was never on TV, and. Ever since I was a kid, I always said I was raised by a single parent and that parent was named television. I've always wanted to be inside of it. I took those rules so seriously. More serious than anyone else on my cast. (laughs) I was convinced there was cameras and recording devices everywhere. Uh, I was so naive and so green to the experience that I didn't even realize there were cameras behind the mirrors until it aired. Oh, you were just thinking World of Wonder was just like uh, Big Brother in there. Yes, yes, oh, and amazing. you know, uh, a lot of the girls, you know, you know, within two days they were all movie stars and like demands and you know doing anything to break the rules. Not me, not me, no, not Miss Sharon Needles. Yes, I, Horror are, Queen I already knew that I was uh, booked to be pointed at, laughed at, and I knew I was an easy off, so I was going to be. As good of a girl as I could, so I could stay as long as I could. Now, I I remember from some rumor mills uh, that some queens from uh, your season had it out that you were being uh, groomed to win. Uh, so did you feel like uh, you were really cast as a kind of a joke? Uh, either they cast me as a joke or RuPaul just hated Alaska so much <laughs> that because we were we were slated to be booked together 
Mm. And That's it right, was all the way to the last day of casting. They said, oh, sorry, Alaska, we're just going to take your boyfriend after Alaska had auditioned every single year. So, yeah, I really think I was just booked to try and drive uh, Alaska crazy. Mm. But uh, uh, is it a coincidence that America's first satanic Drag monster is walking onto a set full of zombies and Elvira. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but it, <laughs> Probably. It certainly helped. That's great. Uh, but, and people remember me mostly, you know, for being a horror queen, but I love a theme. I, I think the reason I was so successful is because I like to play games and I really enjoyed being on the show. It was like summer camp. I, I love a theme party. <laughs> Well, I think uh, what probably helped make you win is that RuPaul, like, loves someone who loves pop culture. And it just, like, seems that you were effortlessly communicating, like, your single parent of television, as you said. And, uh, I mean, I've, like, listened to so many of your interviews and, like, the way you can just, like, spit off facts about basically, like, any horror movie or, you know, obscure pieces of media, I mean... I think RuPaul really appreciates that, and uh, it's a quality very deeply missing in the contemporary drag queen. Oh, yeah. I mean, we we live in the golden age of information, and everyone has a, a glowing rectangle of any fact you ever wanted to know, but uh, 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 young, and uh, not all uh, young queer culture now, but I see a lot of it uh, uh, don't want to invest in their history or or hollywood history very true all that information and they will all listen to the same song and uh and would rather go on tiktok and replicate something they've already seen over and over and over again than then get their hands dirty and learn how uh, cool being a faggot can be. Oh, God, yeah. I feel like it, it's so easy to fall into that trap. And, like, even, like, before TikTok existed, I could feel myself, like, slipping into it in, uh, like, in university, like, before I started, like, taking, like, gay history seriously. And it's, like, if you just, like, crack a little bit, like, into the surface, like, you have a whole world of, like, Andy Warhol blowjob movies, like, Larry Kramer, like, you know, Nazi uh, orgy, like, Fire Island Whoa, I death. did not see that coming. Oh, yeah, you should read Faggots if you ever get a chance. It's, like, a great 70s novel where he just, like, rips into gay sluts and uh, it has, like, a, a Nazi bootlicking scene and everything. It's very vulgar. Oh, Hitler, I hardly know her. <laughs> So I'm glad that you have such a, um, you know, an admiration for gay history and you make it such a big part of your art. Um, I I really appreciate your sharing, like, your thoughts about the state of drag right now. And I just feel so privileged that you're still kicking. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 when you're already dead, love can never die. Uh, dead girls never say no to a booking at this point. Uh, but yeah, the, the last two years have been a real challenge. I mean, I went from, uh, you know, you know, uh, going through a breakup of seven years, my mom getting cancer, uh, coronavirus, Black Lives Matter. My best friend died in a and a maniacal uh, 
a psychopath went on a rampage in an attempt to destroy me and almost succeeded. And this was all in one week. <laughs> one so, week. Uh, yes, this was, yeah, from, from, yeah, from uh, my best friend dying to my mom's cancer to a divorce uh, to uh, uh, psycho fan that shall never be named. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was, that was a real week. For me, I, I was convinced, and I'm not lying, I was convinced I had died. And I was in a slow, perpetual hell of my own making. And that mm -hmm. was a really hard uh, gravesite to crawl out of. And I, so I don't wish it on it? my worst enemy. Yeah, I, I'm very curious, like, how you managed to deal with all of it and then, like, crawl out of it. I think, uh, like, willpower is something I, I really admire on the on this show so well, what did it take for you to push through all of that well i'll be on, i'll be honest i don't think i didn't think i was going to make it through this one i mean mm -hmm. i've been a survivor my entire life i have been uh i mean my earliest memories uh are wrapped around uh pain and abuse and being misunderstood so i've become pretty good at it but this this one was uh, a doozy, but uh, a lot of it was just, uh, yeah, t time uh, being uh, being surrounded by uh, my support group and trying to find uh, 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 ways in my mind, trying to put the puzzle back together. And sometimes I just have to write it. You know, that's why I'm a writer. And so when I realized if my eyes were a Hollywood camera, and I ripped them out of my skull and I threw them into the air. Would I like my own movie? And I think I would. So your and you know, your worst day is your most readable chapter in your book. And uh, uh, it's hard when I was a little media darling and then to get, you know, so much bad press, but I you get the pop culture you want, not the pop culture you deserve. And it's a sadistic world out there. And I guarantee you, not one Drag Race fan knows what Nina West did last night. But I'll guarantee you, once a RuPaul girl does something a little shady or a little sly and it ends up in the press, they read all about it. So when you're sitting at home and you think that everyone hates you, you, they, you are doing nothing but entertaining them while they watch you fall apart. And, if, and, and I'm an entertainer. So my worst day can be the best chapter of my book. Enjoy, you little psychopaths. Oh my god, I got chills. I I feel like cancellation is like one of the like uh, most uh, special like horrid demons that's like come uh, out of girl, the I internet take, era. I, I can take cancel culture and turn it into Cancelvania. Oh, god. <laughs> you can only get canceled. You can only get canceled once. You might as well get it out of the way. Temperature rising, I feel your body beside me. It's freaky.
One thing I forgot to ask you about, which I actually am, like, dying to know. Um, I know that you were, like, still very green to Hollywood when you went on to Drag Race. But did you have, like, a an inkling of a suspicion that perhaps that your uh, feud with Fifi O'Hara would become, like, reality TV legendary imagery? Yes. Uh, <laughs> only because it wasn't fake. Um, uh I would I would remember we would get in these just blow up fights and she has she has a, a different reality about this but I remember even off camera she'd be like fuck off and get away from me Sharon we had to be uh taken to our hotels in separate cars and uh we they kept security around us and now looking back at a hindsight is 50/50 I think the producers wanted to keep us <laughs> going <laughs> uh-huh. uh, because it, it, it does uh, make uh, for uh, great TV. But uh, I knew uh, after filming that season four was going to be something uh, very special and that the, that the fans would really respond to uh, the, the insanity that was Fifi O'Hara. I even say sometimes, I didn't win because America loved me. I won because they hated her. (laughs) And hate (laughs) her, they did. Oh, yeah. I mean, but that fight between you two, which is like, uh, you know, millions and millions of views, like uh, twirling into the cyber abyss forever, where like the veins are standing out on her neck. It really feels like an actual like um, manifestation of the tensions of drag culture, like all wrapped up into a very... Uh, lavishly produced segment. It's really special. Uh, yes, and it is. Uh, it is. You know, if you want to know what a dressing room can be like, it's it's very much that. I've I've in my over twenty years of drags, I've seen many amazed makeup brushes. Oh yeah, me too. I mean, I've only been doing drag for about I guess like five or six years now, and uh, even here in Japan, like me and my sisters have gotten to you know like standing up like hands held backward like screaming matches in the in the green room over absolutely nothing at all exactly and 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 it's funny rupaul says uh uh drag is not a contact sport uh whoever said that has not been in many dressing rooms (laughs) oh it absolutely is it's a blood sport it's gladiator (laughs) it's visceral um but it is you i think it is unique like i've never seen um, such high tension and, and passion in any sort of green room or creative industry as I have in drag and that people feel so fiercely about it even still. I mean, it gives me hope that the plastic Teflon that's kind of engulfed the culture can uh, be overcome still. Uh, well, <clears throat> uh, it can only go so far before starting back at the beginning. That's right. Um, so let's talk about these two movies. Um, I... I'm a big fan of Sleepaway Camp and its sequel, um, and I know you are too, because I watched uh, your really wonderful interview with the British Film Institute, I believe, where you uh, oh, went yes. through some of your... Oh my god, just breathtaking how articulate and uh, interesting you are about uh, movies, but uh, what's kind of your experience with Sleepaway Camp? How did you fall in love with these very strange, perfect little movies? 
Well, Sleepaway Camp Part Two is the very first horror film I ever saw. My, wow. My brother was having a sleepover. I uh, kind of snuck in to hang out with my brother and his older friends. So my introduction uh, to horror was um, uh, gore, uh, uh, sexuality, but most importantly, um, uh, uh, irreverence and camp. And uh, mm. uh, it's it, that really makes it uh, a perfect, perfect film. Like, I don't I didn't see Sleepaway Camp one probably until 10 years after uh, seeing two. And uh, I, I'm not quite sure what the actress Angela, who played Angela is doing now. But I heard two things. One, she's dead. And two, she plays the dark haired girl on the facts of life. that's perfect i can't believe how amazing these movies are and they feel like um they feel both like you said very irreverent and campy but there's also like a very real texture in these movies about the actual like mania and derangement of the heterosexual universe and watching angela get her revenge against it all in the most uh heinous gory like postmodern like kills ever is like very deeply cathartic don't mess with the transsexual never like I and, think about... and a lot of mm-hmm. people find that those movies shit shit one of your favorite words mind if i borrow it for a moment you've been a shitty friend in a shitty camper <laughs> <laughs> and then um what does she say after she like sends her into the outhouse after she's like down in there and like nudging her with a stick oh do you know what else is in there leeches <laughs> or a leech like you Allie you should have been the first to go you should have been the first to go oh so <laughs> good um I think it is really special that uh this is a transsexual character lots of um I feel like a lot of criticism about this movie is about how it uh depicts like trans women as like evil and monstrous but for me it is displaying them as all-powerful harbingers of justice I, I uh, agree with you. I mean, there is some problematic concepts in here. The fact that uh, Angela being transgendered was kind of against her choice. It was forced upon her aunt right. and then given a, uh, a sexual confirmation uh, surgery while in the loony bin. Uh, but uh, I was always just happy to see representation in any form. And Horror movies certainly are uh, a way, and though they may, though the transgender community may be painted in a bad uh, light, I always like seeing them. I mean, it, it starts with Psycho and Dressed to Kill and uh, 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 Seed of Chucky and uh, Sleepaway Camp. Uh, I, I always uh, liked seeing them in films. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I think it's flattering to be displayed as an all-powerful evil like don't you think <laughs> what's better than that well, and yeah uh, i i mean well i i'm a I, i'm a sicko like uh it's like it's why i never liked wicked it's like stop justifying evil just let the wicked witch be evil <laughs> like, no she's just a cunt nothing bad happened to her she's just horrible that's, <laughs> that's right to justify to justify evil makes it questions the 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 reality of true love Oh, beautiful. Um, I I mentioned this a little bit, but don't you just love in these movies, like, how, like, there's um 
I, I feel like the heterosexual world, like even if it's uh, implicit or not really intentional, it comes across as it really does in reality, which is this um, very like boring, static, monotone, um, sexualized world that is a uh, punctuated by moments of a uh, fabulous transgenderism as they're like murdered in uh, these beautiful glamorous ways but I can't stop thinking about like the first movie and all of these like men in short shorts with like their like huge long thighs pointing out and their like giant muscles bursting out before they're like all slaughtered I love it um yeah uh, like I said there's a reason gay kids like that movie <laughs> <laughs> long there hair sure mustaches is. tube socks uh, shorty shorts chest hair send it's me so to camp porny. it's send me to camp it's so porny it, um i never see men depicted as like sexually in contemporary horror movies anymore it feels like very luxurious to watch these well, and it's not every day uh, a horror movie is brave enough to uh, show a 13-year-old transgender kid's dick. <laughs> okay, that is the moment. Um, it's now, honestly, everyone like... remembers that visceral feeling the first time they saw that scene. And it's not so much the dick, it's the smile. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it, that it, the strange, like, green overlay when it's, like, finally revealed at the end of the first movie that... Angela, it's a is a transgender woman, as it were. the The face that she's making as she like groans. There's nothing else quite like it. It's it's gorgeous, and and that actress still does horror cons all the time. And uh, Angela in Sleepaway Camp two and three is actually Bruce Springsteen's Springsteen sister. sister. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. It is weird, isn't it? But it feels kind of right. Like, Bruce Springsteen is, like, a final image of Americana, and, like, so is Angela. Yes. Um, I, I always thought, you know, Jane Mansfield is to Marilyn Monroe as uh, Angela was to uh, um, Shelley Duvall. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Doesn't um, she kind of look like a diamond store Shelley Duvall? <laughs> no, she does. I love how she takes on, like, a very, like, hoity-toity, like, um, dyke moral puritan role in the second movie. Like, her conduct is so, like, sweet and amusing to me as she's, like, scolding the other counselors. I, like, I really like her, like, mothering figure in the movie. Yeah, she, her delivery is very matter-of-fact. And that haircut... It, it it is it is uh, uh, unapologetically terrible. Oh God, it's great! <laughs> it's like when she's like performing um, the Happy Camper song that they um, so lovingly uh, put a like blue sepia filter over and like stretch out into like a horror montage in the end of the movie. I loved that too. Well, I pref I prefer the uh, the parody of uh, Oh, I'm a happy camper. Uh, I love to drink and fuck. And if you give me money upon my titties, you can suck. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> the, the shit sisters. It's so good. Um, I also like that the second movie has that like postmodern thing where uh, Angela effectively like cosplays as like all of the great 80s and 70s titans of horror when she's like wearing the Freddy Krueger gloves and like putting on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre mask. Um it was really to justify the cover because the movie was straight to video. Mm -hmm. And uh, the original cover 
in your in your local video rental store is a model who is not in the movie with a backpack with the Jason mask and a Freddy glove and a chainsaw hanging out of the back of it. So they really just banking on the success of uh, much more successful franchises. <laughs> and isn't that the name of the game? I mean, that's basically what drag is as well as the banking your art on someone else's songs and stuff. That's right. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, I, I love, I love the word talent being tossed around when your job really is uh, uh, to uh, mock the Western uh, world's hypersexualized form of applied commercial femininity because there's nothing fe feminine about drag. <laughs> no, no woman looks like that. <laughs> no, it's the most masculine art form that's ever uh, existed in the world, I think. And uh, not to make a politically incorrect comment, but like uh, Angela's role in these movies is definitely like that of a, a drag queen. I feel like drag queens should aspire to be an Angela and like instead of a drag queen story hour there should be like drag queen like library massacres you know right yes it, she is very drag in the sense uh, or it, to me she's kind of more of like a cartoon she always looks the same and there's always like a zinger one-liner after every murder oh they're so good and in the very last shot of the movie the inexplicable howdy partner <laughs> 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 which if 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 you realize uh that film uh which makes it um i i think a really uh standout uh low budget horror film is that there are no survivors not one no that's special yeah even even the uh tit patrol the the two 10 year old boys get killed and i love when kids get killed in horror films yeah, why do I love that, too? I think it just is because it feels so brazen, but, like, I, like, was, like, hooting and hollering when I noticed that the kids were strung up in, like, the corpse mound. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and it's just jar... Dead kids are just jarring. I remember the first time I saw Dawn of the Dead, and uh, these two kids got shot, and I found that jarring. Or in Funny Games, when the, oh, you yeah. know, the first person who's murdered is an eight-year-old boy. Uh, being shot in front of his parents. It's, uh, there's, there's something, uh, it's like, uh, it's like how we are inclined to be afraid of heights or not like the smell of death. It's like, it's, it's jarring. Yes. And I love to be jarred. I me love too. To, I mean, it's very rare for me these days as well to be, um, shocked or surprised by anything because I think horror has been quite tepid, um, in like the last like five years or so. And I will say that there is nothing more refreshing than some child murder on screen. Yeah, child murder, uh, haunted houses, and aliens. Those are, those are, those are, uh, that's what it takes to scare me these days. Those are the three pinnacles of Sharon Needles. Dead yes. children, haunted houses, and UFOs. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Um, yeah, I, I, I love your, your horror lexicon. I love that you... Funny Games is one of my all-time favorites too. I love the American remake so much. I uh, I used to do these bumpers for Chiller Network, which was an all horror channel here yes. in the states, and uh, and I played the role very very stupid. And uh, my line for Funny Games is, "I like the American version of Funny Games because I don't like other countries." <laughs> <laughs> We play, we play that every year for my Halloween special during my uh, uh, costume changes. And I always peek out for that line. It always gets a laugh. 
Oh, that's so good. I would love to see you do, like, a Naomi Watson, like, funny games performance of uh, getting shot and then having to be re-round and, like, do it again. <laughs> so... Yeah, I could. I couldn't beat. I, I I applaud Naomi Watts because every movie she's in, she has to cry the whole time. And I know how long it takes to make a movie. And I would just be exhausted from fake crying sixteen hours a day. Oh God, her complexion. She. I mean, she looks so beautiful as well. Even the even though she has like full like nasty runny nose tears in all of her movies forever. <laughs> it's true. Oh, so good. Um, what do you kind of think about? horror lately as, as an art form have you been excited by anything recently or is, has it all been kind of the same for you well I get excited about every horror movie and I go see every single one of them but let's face uh -huh. it it's uh, horror uh, movies have had a big explosion lately but Hollywood knows that they can make them cheaply and they always generate a lot of uh, revenue so most of them are pretty diluted I, I, I've I'm trying to think of, uh, there's a, a movie I've seen uh, recently that I, I saw a horror movie called, uh, I think it was called Lamb. Oh, yeah, that's uh, with uh, uh, Numi Vrapis, yeah. Uh, yeah, a, a, a couple unable to uh, have a baby uh, uh, run a, a, a goat farm and, uh, one of the goats uh, gives birth to a human baby with a goat head. <laughs> it was oh, very great. interesting. Yeah, that's coming out in Japan this weekend, actually. So I'll make sure to go see it. Yeah, but in Japan, the, the goat head is on an octopus. <laughs> yeah, it's on an octopus and the dick is censored out. <laughs> yes, but the, but the lamb and the octopus is going in that woman's pussy. <laughs> Absolutely. Just what we've asked for. Um, and then she's going to eat it in a giant bowl full of more, more seafood really fast. I can't wait. You know, I just actually ate live octopus for the first time in my life uh, in Korea last weekend, and it was a uh, an especially gory, satisfying experience. Uh, wow! I highly recommend it. I think you'd be into it. <laughs> uh, I don't eat animals, but I do wear them. Oh, great! <laughs> I, I always think it's like... barbaric to use animals for food, but for fashion, <laughs> you got to draw the line somewhere. Absolutely, you got to wear the octopus, but you can't eat it. That's right. And, you know, and, and, you know, I am a face for PETA, but really it was just so I could get uh, my own billboard in Times Square. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> now, Sharon, um, on, on my show, the kind of uh, idea of uh, what I've been working on is that by uh, looking at uh, both high art and low art, my goal is to try to re-philosophize the universe and uh, create a, a new way of thinking um, and Looking back at your drag career and these two very special movies, uh, Sleepaway Camp and Sleepaway Camp 2, uh, what is kind of the uh, new mode of thinking you'd like to impart upon a new world? Um, uh, like what, what would it be a philosophy for the, for the future of, of, the, of the next generation? Yes, that's right. Um, uh, stop taking yourself so seriously. No. Seriously, um, <laughs> uh, have sex with people that you meet in real life. Um, uh, stop holding people responsible for things you know you're guilty of. You just haven't been caught yet because it's coming. Mm -hmm. 
uh, be nice to your mom. Uh, Great. Uh, do drugs. Um, uh, go to record stores and look at the pictures instead of just going to your iTunes and listening to what they tell you to. Mm-hmm. And uh, and constantly uh, be curious. Oh, that's so beautiful. Don't ever, don't ever get... Uh, you, you, there's no excuse to be bored anymore. Oh, I love it. There is no excuse to be bored. Um, and, you know, thinking about all that you've done, I feel like uh, I'm so thankful for your drag and uh, your specific take on it. I feel like... Um, Without it, it'd be a much uh, more stale and uninteresting place. And I think certainly there'd be a lot less uh, people uh, creatively inspired. And um, I'm I'm very thankful that you keep weathering the storm of fame. And, you know, I think I have a thirst for it, too. Like, I feel like I really want to be famous. And uh, like, I feel the, like I have it's to the be. Final, it's the final Santa Claus. It's, it's the last thing even adults will think is real. And... Uh, uh, and it's the one thing that no matter how you try to warn someone, they're never going to heed it. And uh, uh, I I knew God wasn't real by five, but was so convinced uh, fame was real. But it it it's uh, it's it's if you're if you're damaged, it certainly isn't a Xanax or a Band-Aid. It can uh, it can uh, take you down some dark places, but also it's a great thrill ride so what did you discover when you uh, reached fame and what did you find uh underneath the uh, metaphorical clothes of angela when they were all taken off um uh that no one should desire being globally seen at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, fame can give you a lot of anxiety, kind of make you scared a lot because it's so easy to be seen now. And uh, culture is creating an island of undesirables in Hollywood and uh, and they're making it hard for people to recover. So... Uh, it's it's a scary world out there in Hollyweird. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. Do you have any particular way that you are looking to push against it and, and combat it? Or are you just going to keep pushing? Or Well, um, I say anyone who wants to nurture fame for anything other than money after the age of 40 is really weird to me. Mm-hmm. But I recently found my first diary... And it said, I don't want to be Tom Cruise. I want to be Amanda Lepore. And I'm glad uh, my fame is at that D level. It's where I like it. <laughs> it's, That's uh, great. It's cozier here. Mm-hmm. Um, so the answer is to um, swaddle up in, in the D tier and uh, yes. be, be happy with what you have there. It, it was written in the celebrities that I would be a star, but I'm not going to shoot for any of them too high. <laughs> I love that. Well, Sharon Needles, um, I think you've imparted a lot of wonderful wisdom that I'm going to take with me. Thank you for encouraging people to have sex. I feel like Zoomers are like 
I don't even know what's going on anymore at this point. It's, but Well, no, filters and Instagrams have made twinks not want to fuck anymore, which sucks for old guys that have a thing for them because you're screwed. Yeah. I feel like that's, it's it's very unfortunate. They're used, like, even, like, when I was in, like, college, like, I was still, like, using, like, Craigslist and stuff, which was satisfying, or, like, you know, going to the local, like, toilet hole or whatever, and uh, that culture carries on in Japan, but I, I look at my friends in America, and I, I shudder in an unpleasant fear. Yes. Yes. I, I, I agree. Start having more fuck. Perfect. Start having more fuck. Um, it's our gay right. It's our only gay right. We have nothing else in this world but that. It's true. You make gay, you make gay normal. No one wants to fuck anymore. See, we wanted those rights. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for because things are a lot more boring now and every drag queen looks the same. That, that's, that's certainly oh. true. 